I would say you don't need to know all the steps. You just need to know the next step. So um, if you're struggling in any way and you don't want to stay stuck there, just the tiniest next step and maybe it's not the right step and it helps you recalibrate and find the right step and that's okay too. Um, you don't need to know all the ne- all the steps, just the very next step. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, what time is it? It is the time for the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Thank you for coming in. And for ones that's popping in late, coming in on the replay, thank you as well. Be sure to share this out. So, and again, our topic is helping other people that are struggling get through that and take care of life the way it should be. And how do we do that? We have guests on who have had their struggles and they're going to go through it with us how they got through it, and give us some motivation, inspiration, some powerful message to get through this. Today's guest is a survivor of multiple chronic illness, autoimmune disease, that took a long road to her path to healing through accessing the mind-body connection. The author of the book, The Other Side of Perfect, welcome to the show, Debbie Emic. Hi, James. Thank you so much for having me today. It is my pleasure to be here and talk with you. Well, thank you. And a nice book cover there. Oh, thanks. So, hope things are going well with the uh, sales. Make a, uh, you know, make a, make a buck 50 out of, off of it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, pretty much. First time, first time I put a book out and then, and then, you know, sold it for $20 on I'm not going to say where so to, and they sent me a nice check for a dollar forty eight. Oh, so, you know, from yep. from a twenty dollar sale. I'm thinking, oh wow, I did all the work and they're getting all the money. So yeah, it's a big <laughs> a big difference, that's for sure. <laughs> but that's okay, you know. You're reaching out, helping people, and we do the best we can. So, Debbie, again, thank you for being here and sharing your journey uh, to help other people. So now you you said you've had some multiple chronic illness, which can also include your autoimmune disease. And uh, what did it say down here? So reading over here with uh, long or with poor prognosis. Mm. So if you can go ahead and ex- explain to us and share your story and journey with us. Sure. Um, about 10 years ago, after the birth of my youngest daughter, um, I started having some health issues that were really interfering with my life. Um, and so what I like to say started as whispers just grew into something that I couldn't ignore any longer. And that's where, uh, this long and winding road began seeking out, um, doctor's help and intervention. And so, um, that, that takes a while in the autoimmune disease world, at least. Um, and, and eventually I was taking like nine different prescription medications three times a day and feeling terrible. And so I slowly started to like, 
take back my my power over my life and my health. And so I started by working on what I was eating and putting into my body. And then I worked on how I was moving my body. I um, worked on eliminating toxicities in my environment, in the products I used. And eventually I had this conversation with my rheumatologist that led me to think like, okay, I'm going to leave my job. I was a, a classroom teacher for 14 years and I thought I'll step away from my job and that will be the magic bullet, right? This is going to be the thing that finally helps. I'll eliminate all my stress in doing so. And it wasn't until after I left my job, I had tried everything I knew to heal, to get better, that I found myself in this very deep, dark, emotional place and still sick and still in pain and just not knowing what to do. And so everything from that point was just me sort of clawing myself out of that hole for the sake of my daughters for breaking cycles and not starting new ones. Um, and as I began to work on my mental, emotional health, this physical pain that I had been carrying in my body for years began to lessen and eventually leave. And so I couldn't really deny this connection between my physical body and my mental, emotional body anymore. And that just sort of kept kept me going down this path to, to where I am today. And I got to go back to the teaching and oh. it, it's, it's a noble, noble profession. There is more stress than the common people would believe. The ordinary people would believe. Uh, I was in the classroom for about 14 years as well mm -hmm. and a coach as well. And so yeah, it, it can be stressful at times and there'd be, the sad thing is, depending on the teacher, they may come home wore out more than the kids because they put more into it. And you know as well as I do, there's some teachers, they do the bare minimum mm -hmm. to do everything, and they have no worries in the world because they're just doing whatever. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I can understand that point where the stress involved, kids coming in sneezing, they should be at home and <laughs> catching their code. And so yeah. I can see that as well. Yeah. Now. I want to. I want to get to the when you get to the doctor. You said taking a, a cocktail of nine medications three times a day, and there's got to be something where these cocktails doctors know something reacts with something could cause something different. Mm. I mean, surely they know all that, but yeah. I would think I would think the more they're intertwining, this got to be affecting something as well. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good hunch. And um, the way autoimmune disease treatment works and the way it certainly felt like for me in the beginning was kind of just like throw everything at it and see what sticks. Um, and the treatments for autoimmune disease are treatments that suppress the immune system, right? And so those are very toxic treatments. So you're right that... Um, the more of those we're taking and the greater amount, yeah, there, there is a, maybe possibly an immediate benefit, right? Like calming our nervous, our immune system, not our nervous system. It's the opposite mm -hmm. for that, uh, calming our immune system. So that might have an immediate benefit. So for me, my autoimmune diseases were attacking my lungs, which eventually led to some heart issues and some other places in my body physically, but those were certainly the most dramatic. And so when we look at that and we're just trying to stop that, 
uh, then it seems simpler to just give these really highly toxic uh, medicines that will eventually cause other problems like you're saying. Um, so yeah, that, that is true. And luckily I had some support in my life at the time that encouraged me to not just stop there. And so with that support, I, I switched doctors and that was a great benefit to me. Um, she, my, my second doctor, I'm, I'm now on other doctors, but mm -hmm. she took me off of all of that almost at one time. And so that was very dramatic and very difficult, but it led to me really knowing what my body actually needs and what actually benefits my body. Um, and not just taking everything that they could sort of throw at it. I can understand, you know, the, the medicine taking one or two at a time and mm -hmm. seeing how that respond, your body responds but when taking, you know, nine, how do you know what's working, what's not working? That, that yeah. That's my thing on the medication. I agree with that. And I was sicker. Like I was just nauseous all the time, right? Um, and definitely still in pain and still struggling and not really clear about what was actually going on in my body, like you said. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was just a case of, uh, this is the doctor I could get into quickest that I was referred to first and just a bit of complacency and confusion and misunderstanding and just going along with whatever that doctor did. And just like you said, in any profession, um, there, there, are, there's a noble side of it. Right. And then there's a side that maybe just puts in the bare minimum and that one became very clear. And so Definitely when I'm telling people about my story and my path in respect to them asking me for advice, um, I always say there are so many doctors out there and don't stop looking until you find someone that's a good match for you. And that was definitely the case for me. I needed to keep looking. I needed to not just stop there. I, I think depending on what's going on, yeah, you need to get a second opinions, uh, one to to at least confirm what's going on and mm -hmm. then you know, seek other help. Now, were you always tried to be then nat naturalistic or did you meet someone and they said, Hey, let's, let's try this. Cause I know of the benefits of this. And I mean, how did you come across, mm -hmm. you know, this, this other doctor that said you need to get, get off his medicine. Okay. Well, that's kind of like two different paths. Um, but really, the the going the more natural route for me was just being able to take back whatever bits of control I could at a time and just taking one tiny step at a time, like just the next curiosity or the next thing that I thought, well, maybe this could make a difference. Right. And so, like I said, at first, that was um, at least empowering myself to search for a different doctor and then working on my food, uh, working on my exercise. And I have to say, not all doctors in this realm, autoimmune realm, uh, will even say that will make a difference. So a lot of that stuff I was kind of doing behind the scenes without really talking to my doctors about a lot. But what happened eventually, like I said, I was just in this really deep, dark emotional state after thinking like, this will be the magic bullet. This will be the magic bullet. And finding out there wasn't a magic bullet, right? And so still I was in this place of looking for a superficial fix um, and learning a lot about the gut connection to our overall health. 
and I was confused about probiotics. And so I decided to go to this local chiropractor. Um, I'm in a really rural, small area. And so chiropractor is a very accessible term. And she may call herself like a healer somewhere else. But here she's a chiropractor. She does chiropractic work, but she does some other things too. And I went to her and said, I just need a probiotic. Uh, which one can you recommend? You know, there's so many, the prices are so varied. I didn't know what to do. And she kind of looked at me and saw through that. And she was like, wait a minute, hold on. And she ended up doing some somatic work with me and some energy work. And right away, like just being very pragmatic and, and really feeling like someone with MD after their name that validated whatever they said, I went out and searched for skeptics, right? So I went to my husband. I was like, can you believe she wants to do this? And I went to a good friend and they were both like, you've tried everything else. I don't know why you wouldn't try it. And that somatic work really opened up this peace in me that this like repressed emotion, repressed trauma from my childhood that I had thought I just moved on from and forgot about, but really it was still trapped there inside. And that somatic work sort of exposed that. And that didn't really do all the work for me. There was still more I needed to do on my own, but slowly or, you know, respectively, it was a very quick amount of time. Like I had been working on healing for about seven years. I went to her and over the course of about three months and doing the somatic and energy work, uh, this pain started to lessen and eventually leave. And so that is what kept me going in this natural route. Um, that just very clear evidence and that work that she did and kind of started. And there were all of these other things I was reading and learning and working on at the same time that just showed me like the next thing and the next thing to do. Winning these small battles to move on to the next thing. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, 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 so you weren't naturally and naturalistic. You mm -hmm. were born into it and convinced yourself with it. Uh, so what, what made you finally buy into it? I mean, you finally saw some results, uh, mm -hmm. feeling better. I mean, so what finally made you to buy into the system? Well, I mean, I had a very real dark moment of the soul before I went, before all of this really started helping. Right. And so this was, um, quite clear to me that it was like, I either work on this or I'm not going to be around much longer. And I didn't want that for myself. Uh, but I couldn't really find the worthiness in myself at the time. I just knew I didn't want it for my daughters. And so my steps forward were to not have what I foresaw as the future for them. And, um, the, the real first like clear moment was that moment in the chiropractor's office. And then um, I was reading some, the work of Brene Brown at the same time about shame. And I was learning how I had hid my shame away. And um, I was learning to be authentic and vulnerable and open up about that. Um, I was reading or learning from Glennon Doyle. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she mm. talks, it was her that I, I sort of, began to understand this idea of perfectionism and people pleasing and how I had used those 
character traits as coping mechanisms to kind of um, shield myself from the trauma I never wanted to deal with and also protect myself from others, like keep them at arm's length, never really showing them my true self. And um, so I was just unpacking all of that at the same time. And then eventually I read the work of like Bessel van der Kolk, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've read him, a, a medical doctor talks a lot about our nervous system and the effects of a chronic nervous system in fight or flight mode and what that does to our health because of those hormones and chemicals that are released on this chronic basis. And then Gabor Mate, his is when the body says no, just reaffirms that kind of thing and this addictive type of behavior. For me, the addiction was perfectionism and people pleasing. And so when I was able to sort of unpack all of those things and begin to un ravel from that perfectionism and people pleasing, I was able to see that everything I had done really to heal to that point just added to my perfectionism, right? So like I over-controlled my food until I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't eating very many things. I overdid it with exercise to almost like a punishing extent. And so I couldn't really begin to do those practice the practices, practice those in a loving way for my body until I was able to unwrap this uh, emotional side of who I was and how I got there. And then I could begin using the more holistic techniques or treatments or processes in a loving way, right? So like nourishing my body in a loving way with food, using movement in a loving way. So I took a long winding road, but I think hopefully I answered your question there a little bit. Oh, you're doing great. And, and you're doing awesome. And you're explaining some, you know, stuff that I, I've never heard of, you know, I, my specialty is spinal cord injury. And mm -hmm. I'm learning from every, from all my guests as well. And so, so when you uncork the genie, yeah. Uncork the bottle to open up about you perfect perfectionism. And I'm sure your husband and people are going, we already knew that, you know, oh. watching you all them years, but you mm -hmm. were trying to hide it from them. You didn't want them to really know it. Mm -hmm. And so when you finally uncork, uncorked the genie, I mean, how much of a release or how much did you feel finally knowing you weren't hiding from anyone? Ah, uh, this is a really good question. Um, what happens over years and years of these coping mechanisms, right, is number one, I got better and better at them as I went along. So by this time, I'm like 34 or older. I had just really ramped up that perfectionism and ple people pleasing until the only way I really knew to show up in the world was what I thought I needed to be for other people and what I thought they wanted me to be. And so in some cases, so in some the, cases you were losing yourself. Oh, I definitely to, was to, to, to be a people pleaser for others. Yes. So you were losing your within your oneness mm -hmm. of yourself. That's completely true. And what happens in relationships is, um, a codependency, right? So in many of my relationships, that was a relationship pattern that served that relationship. Uh, people like that. You know, if I had used the coping mechanism of like alcoholism or drug abuse, uh, which I don't really separate from this, those just didn't 
allow me to feel as, as much control as what I did use. But if I did that, that wouldn't be quite as socially acceptable. But this made me appear, I mean, I was never perfect. No one ever thought I was. I never thought I was. But it made me appear like I had it all together. I could show up for people. I could do what I thought they wanted. And so in some cases, that really was the glue that held those relationships together. And so when I began to peel that back, number one, for me, it felt awful. Like, uh, if you take alcohol away from an alcoholic, that feels bad. There's no way to numb or cope. It's just raw and real and you got to deal with it and be who you are and show up as you are. Um, and so that unraveled some relationships. And I feel so grateful that my husband really came along with me. Um, and that took a lot of communication about, look, I see who I was and I see who I want to be. And I see what will happen if I don't do make this change. And I need your help and your support. And I need you to come along with me. And that meant really changing relationship patterns with the people that I was closest in relationship with, which was my husband and my children. And luckily for me, uh, you know, because I could communicate it with them and because they loved and cared about me, they came along with me too. But some relationships stepped out, uh, which is okay because it left room for new relationships that could uh, support and nourish and encourage and be an example of the growth I wanted to see in myself and in my life. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's kind of both, you know, it wasn't like, look world, this is who I am. You know, it felt like I wanted to hide, but I couldn't really hide anymore. Today, our guest is Debbie Emick and the author of The Other Side of Perfect. So again, thank you for being here. Now, you mentioned here with your husband being in your support system, being in your corner, you can't win the Super Bowl. You can't win the World Series. You can't win the boxing match without a good support system. So with your husband, and I'm sure your children was backing mom up as much as they could, yeah. uh, what other support system that really helped keep you focused to stay strong through this? Uh, this is a good topic. Um, so my tendency, as I'm sure is clear, I you know, maybe at this point in our conversation was to kind of hide, to be very introverted um, and and not really connect with people. And because I've kind of told a bad doctor story, let me tell a good doctor story. Very late in my health, in my diagnosis, uh, after I thought I was all better and getting better, I got a really dramatic uh, diagnosis that was very unexpected. Um, and and it had to do with my heart. So this lung issue that was causing heart failure. And so now I had a cardiologist and I went to this cardiologist and um, he right away came in like rushed fast, you know, um, and he said, I want to write you a prescription. And I was like, "Ugh!" rolling my eyes inside, another, you know, another yeah. pill. Right. But he got a piece of paper and he wrote down four things. And the first one he wrote was uh, diet, food. So he really recommended uh, a plant-based diet, um, vegan. And I don't, I don't think we really need to get into that right now, but no doctor had at, to that point told me you can really change your health if you change your diet. So this was already something very new. Um, and then he wrote down exercise. And so he just recommended getting your heart rate up for at least 30 minutes every day. And then he wrote love and connection. And this was brand new territory for me sitting across from a doctor. Um, 
And, you know, since then, and having dug into that and sort of him validating it, and I was already working on that, I, I've learned that there's just as much medical research for uh, chronic health issues real disease in our body when there's a lack of love and connection as there is for any other medical treatment, right? So any pill you could give someone, any medical treatment you could give someone, uh, there's just as much support for this love and connection. And the last thing he wrote was mental health. And he looked at me in the eyes and he goes, I don't just mean like meditate or do yoga. I mean, find your rug, pick up your rug and sweep everything out from under your rug. And so to get back to your question, for me, this really meant instead of hiding from authentic, true, vulnerable connection, I had to seek it out now. And, um, I had to really give that a real shot. And so a lot of those connections were just spontaneous, um, just making connections with people that would reach out to me or seeing someone that I thought like uh, really modeled some behavior that I wanted to also develop in myself and I would reach out to them. And what happened was a support system that really taught and showed me how to love and care for myself. And so developing that support system, that community of women um, was really the first step to me finding a worthiness within myself. And so for so long, I just did it for my kids and for my family when I could start to see you know, that's a lot like do as I say, not as I do. But mm -hmm. when I could really begin to develop a love for myself, which was fostered through these connections, then um, I that could just spill over into my family, into my other relationships. And it was a lot more like do as I do, hopefully. Um, so I hope that sort of answers that question, but I do have a community of women now that I've found um, and we are all over the country and we can get together via Zoom. And luckily that's all possible because of COVID and not all living in the same area. But um, I can't tell you what a difference it's made for my life and how I show up in the world and, and all of that. And I've already sort of touched on the connection with my husband and how important it was to be vulnerable and open and honest with him too. Two two things here. Two things here. One, if you don't love yourself, how do you expect someone else to love you? If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're so sick or dead and gone, you're not helping anyone. And yeah. with you wanting to be a people pleaser, to be a helper, you've got to be able to take care of yourself to be as healthy as possible. And the second main thing that I get here, isn't it hard? to air out your dirty laundry to make you feel better. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that one purpose of me starting my podcast is I attempted suicide mm. three times, three times in three days. Oh my get gosh. Out of here. Three times in three days. That's how bad I wanted out of here. And obviously I lived. God mm -hmm. still has a plan for me. I'm still working the plan, hopefully. Yeah. And so one of my purposes is, Let's share out as many success stories, people coming overcoming adversities and helping other people out as much as possible. Mm. So, but, but what I was getting to is, you know, mental illness, the, for me to attempt that, I had to air out my dirty laundry to a psychologist yeah. for, for a year. And he's the one who advised me, I need to get into speaking, writing books, 
and, you know, getting out there and spreading the message. So that's so good, James. I can um, only, you know, slightly relate as I've alluded to that, you know, I had this very dark moment and I, I never um, planned anything or practiced any way to leave the world, but I certainly thought it would be better if I just left it quickly. And so in the moment, I don't know how it worked or felt for you, but in that moment, I just couldn't even recognize myself and how deep I was. And luckily I got through that like winter, both fi- figuratively and uh, you know, literally. And in the spring, when the sun came out and the fog started to lift, that was very scary, like uh, that I would have maybe done something that I could not take back and that would affect, you know, generations of my family. And so, yeah, well, I'm I th- mean, I'm thankful that you had your children because yeah. you referred twice at least that, uh, you didn't want to do anything because of them. You didn't want them to be left behind with what took place. And you didn't mention suicide, but you were alluding to it. Yeah. And, and so you, to, you were still trying to protect them, you know, from everything. So I, I'm thankful you had your children. I had tried everything, you know, that I knew and still I was tired and sick and in pain. And now I was deeply depressed. And so my work moving forward from there was really just to get out of that hole, uh, for the sake of my daughters, because I, I couldn't really find that worthiness in myself at the time, but I knew they were worthy of breaking those cycles, not starting any new ones. And so the steps I began to take forward were in that respect. And it just so happened as I began to work on my mental, emotional health, this physical pain that I had carried in my body related to my autoimmune diseases began to slowly um, lift you know, lessen and eventually leave my body. And so I couldn't really deny that connection between those two seemingly separate parts of me. But, you know, now in retrospect, it's all one and it was all related. And so that's really the work I'm doing today and how I'm showing up in the world today. Amen, sister. And so Mm. the the two other big things that I've got from our first session, and I sound like a therapist now, first session (laughs) was... um, they had put you on some medication that uh, you didn't find it was useful for you. And so you went to this holistic type for your, what we call healment, the medicine, healer, instead of taking mm-hmm. pills and stuff like that. And so you went that route, which is, is awesome. Uh, so for that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm one of them. I, I don't like taking an aspirin unless a headache is just so bad that right. I have to. And so, mm-hmm. so, so I can deal with that. And the other thing, here's where we we were right when we were leaving off. We've talked. We were talking about how you uncorked your genie when you had oh. to air out. You remember your dirty laundry to a therapist yeah. is what opened you up even more. Yeah. Well. uh, Yeah, that's a good lead in. I would say, um, so I went to a chiropractor seeking a probiotic recommendation and she really saw through that, you know, like I had really built this facade around myself of protection, number one, so I couldn't ever really deal with or see, I thought mistakenly, this trauma and these repressed emotions that I 
had gone through many, many years before, but never really dealt with. Um, and so she kind of saw through that and she did some somatic work and some energy work with me. And I would say that definitely uncorked that genie as you said it. The way you said it was so like, oh, that would be fun to uncork a genie. This was less fun, um, but it ultimately led to where I'm at now and was definitely something I had been putting off for so long. You know, um, she really helped me in so many ways, but what she did was show me the way. And then really, I mean, the responsibility was on my shoulders to keep exploring that and continuing the work and moving forward. And for me, that didn't mean going to a therapist. Um, I did a lot of journaling, a lot of reading about the, the, uh, healing effects of journaling, um, and a lot of other methods to sort of calm my nervous system and bring myself to an awareness of my coping mechanisms, my daily actions, the stories I was telling myself, you know, so I was using journaling, meditation, um, other things to sort of calm my nervous system. And I would say now where I'm at, um, there's a, there's a middle, right? There's a place where we, we don't just need to seek the validation and treatment from someone with MD after their name. And we don't just need to go completely off the program. Um, and against that, you know, there's a middle there somewhere. It's not dichotomous or black and white. And so I'm very grateful for, uh, the specialists that I have that continue to monitor my lung disease, my heart disease, my autoimmune system. I still require a couple of prescription medications to keep that under control. Um, and at the same time, I know there are all of these other things that I can do within my power, within my control to love and support myself and my body, um, to continue to grow that worthiness and love in myself that I couldn't find, you know, a, a while back when I found myself in that darkness. The chiropractor that was wise enough to realize some things are going on mm -hmm. gave you this opportunity to be open and honest and not worry about judgment and not worrying about hurting other people's feelings and mm -hmm. probably gave you an awakening that maybe you have hidden for a while as well, something dark mm -hmm. and hidden way back in. So, and so I, we, we've all got to have somebody we can trust in, mm -hmm. find in. And even when you're journaling, that's your therapy because you can be as open and honest as you want to knowing yep. no one's going to read it, or maybe they're not going to read it until you pass away. Or again, let somebody read it that you know, again, that's going to help you in the long run, not be judgmental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, there's this book called Expressive Writing. It has a very long subtitle. I don't remember all of it. One of the authors is someone named Pennebaker. And I, re I read it, and it really gives good research about... Now, I am not a therapist, and I clearly have had my own emotional dark places and I would not recommend, you know, like seek professional help. Certainly if you need it, there's no shame there. I'm not trying to say that there is, but it was not the path I took. Uh, it was not something that I felt. I, I don't know. I didn't feel drawn to it. It wasn't accessible to me. I can't, I can't go back and take a different path. And so journaling, um, 
in, in these studies is just as effective, if not more effective in dealing with and releasing this trauma, right? This held trauma. And, and just so we, you know, like there's just as much research for this, like held trauma and chronic illnesses like heart disease, like lung disease, um, like so many things. So, um, that book helped me see that relationship. And it also just gave me permission to get it all out. Right. And so that was one step. And you're right about my chiropractor too. Like she really turned on a light of no judgment at all. Just a realization that my body held a memory of things that went on, neither good nor bad. It was just this emotional memory that my body held and she helped my body release that. Right. So that is the mind body connection there. Um, our bodies, the chemical hormonal reactions in our bodies don't know the difference between truth and a lie anyway. They just know what we tell it, what we believe here. Um, and so whether I'm being chased by a lion or I'm telling my body, like there's a perceived threat, I need to hurry up and do something. It's going to dump the same chemicals, the same hormones. And so, um, when you do that over years and years and years, either because you've held a trauma or because that's how you've learned to respond to your environment in this fight or flight mode, it's going to create chronic dis-ease in your body rather than chronic health, right? Which is, we want long-term health. Um, and so I guess like that's me trying to put it all together, that this was all really about trying to get to the core of what had happened so that I could release it so that I could calm my nervous system so that I wasn't constantly in fight or flight. And those were both two very big keys to doing that for sure. For sure. Now I second what you say, if someone, if you're struggling mentally, Emotionally, physically, find help, seek help, find someone you can trust. Again, they don't have to be in the professional field, even though that would probably be the best to go to at the time. But find someone you can open up to honestly and get everything out and then seek help as much as possible uh, from there. So uh, the, the thing about the going to talk to a psychologist, psychiatrist, we've got that perception that if I talk to them, people are going to say I'm crazy. And mm. people worry about that perception when they knew you're going to them. And I tell people now, because I had to see a, psych a psychologist for a year, because I told mm -hmm. you I attempted suicide. And so I, I, I had to see him for a year. So I, I try to explain to people that you need to exercise your body to stay as healthy as possible. You need mm -hmm. to exercise your mind to stay as healthy as possible, whether that is reading, journaling, meditating, positive messages, um, music, inspiration, mm -hmm. poems, or seeking counseling, whether, again, it's professional, preacher, minister, your best friend, spouse, someone you can yeah. open up to and be um, honest, honest with everybody and go from there. But, yeah, we, 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 we got to get away from that perception that people think we're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we exercise our body. Exercise your mind as well. I agree 100%. Hopefully you can do all those things. Um, most of them are free, right? Meditation, journaling, all of that stuff. So, And I hope it's becoming uh, more 
you know, Acceptable. just every day. Yeah. Less stigmatized, especially because of COVID. Like, I think there's so much of it happening this way, you know, through like a zoom call or something. Uh, you don't even have to get out of your house and go anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it, so many people are making it so much more normalized and just being open and honest about seeking out help and how important oh, it is. Again, I, I would think like you, I would think these would be more acceptable, more, uh, not trend, but more uh, acceptable, open for people and, and people not being stigmatized with it. So it may mean it may be just when, you know, when you're kids and you hear about something like that and you go, man, they're crazy, you know, when yeah. kids, but when you're adult, it may not have that same as, yeah. as well as what I was thinking. So, all right. Now, Debbie, so from getting your first diagnosis with your physical ailments and everything, and then moving towards with the chiropractor and then you're even still today working on things, like you said, with your mm -hmm. uh, journaling and other things. How long of a period has this taken you to to where you're feeling better about yourself and everything? So my first diagnosis was really almost 10 years ago, um, maybe almost 11 years ago. It took me a long time to get to the point where I, I left my job. Uh, that was probably about four years ago and then really hit a bottom and started working my way out of there. Um, what I've learned is there's no magic bullet, right? That's not how it works. So forever I was just like, this will be the one thing that will solve everything. This will be the one thing that will solve everything. And so it is a slow process. Um, once I did see the chiropractor, however, and she helped me do this like physical type work, you know, helping my body release those stored memories. Um, I would say in relation to that long, you know, 10 year time, it was relatively short that the pain started to lessen. That didn't mean my work was done, but it was a matter of maybe three months of doing that somatic work with her and the pain really lessening. And eventually I don't live with pain on a daily basis anymore. Um, I wrote a book about it that was part of the healing and I started that process about two years ago. And so all of that also is still part of my growth and part of my healing. So, I mean, short answer is years. It's taken years to get where I'm at now. Um, and I'm still going, you know, there's no arriving. There's just taking the one small next step that I can, but certainly where I'm at today versus where I was 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, night and day, literally I'm in the light now, uh, out of that darkness. And, um, most days are, are eight. I couldn't ask for more for my body. So, so, um, and, and, for, and remember, we mentioned this earlier. So um, it's okay to visit Pittyville. Just don't move in. So yeah, uh, yeah. And so don't forget that. So we're going to have days where we don't feel as good and don't feel mm -hmm. as strong. But uh, sit back, think about how far you come and how far you can go, and again go from there. So mm -hmm. I tell you, you're amazing. It's hard to believe that uh, when you talk about uh, you, you, and you, again, you just indicated the darkness you never attempted anything uh mm -hmm. suicide or whatnot and again I, i'd mentioned right before you got kicked off the 
the uh, web, wide world web uh, last time <laughs> was, uh, you know, thankful that your children were there because you were thinking of them mm-hmm. more than yourself and what you didn't want them to be going through afterwards. And so that was awesome. So uh, for, for them and uh, for you to have that. So mm-hmm. how have you been able to maintain, I mean, you seem as positive as anybody that's uh, gone through this struggle. So how have you been able to maintain this positivity? This is um, a deep, a, a deeper question than it might appear. But for me, for so long, my coping mechanism was perfectionism and people pleasing. So that was this fake outer shell, right? And truly healing took, first of all, becoming conscious of that and then stripping that back so that I could become vulnerable and real in the way that I just saw myself, number one, I never thought I was perfect, uh, but I was trying to be as perfect as I could be and get as perfect as I could be. And I held people back, you know, from really seeing the true me making real connection with people with that. And so, um, that was a, you know, Figuring that out is a tricky thing. Um, Deciding to leave perfectionism and people pleasing behind is a tricky thing. And like I told you, I did that for my daughters who I knew were worthy. But after a certain amount of time, I knew that that was more of just like do as I say, not as I do. And being a teacher, I was a classroom teacher for 14 years. I knew that wasn't a real way to teach anyone anything. So I knew I had to develop a self-love that was so deep that it just spilled over onto the others around me. It wasn't out of duty or obligation or, or being a martyr, you know, like this is the perfect way to be a mother. It was, it, it had to be out of, I love myself so much that it just spills out and my daughters see it and they want to do that themselves. Themselves. Um, and so that meant having people come into my life intentionally seeking out relationships that could number one teach me how to do that and support me in that growth process and be there for me. Um, my husband was certainly one being open and honest with him about what I needed and the support I needed. Our relationship had to change and he did that with me. He came along with me, but I also sought out intentionally women that I saw this quality in that I wanted, that I wanted to learn from and, and developed a community of those women that helped me grow and they support me. And so I guess my answer to that, I needed to go back to the perfectionism and people pleasing because I have always been a positive forgiving person, I thought, but it was very superficial, right? It was like, I never really dealt with the real pain that I was being positive or forgiving away and becoming real, like getting rid of that perfectionism and people pleasing meant I really dealt with that stuff so that I could truly move on, not in a superficial way. So I hope my positivity isn't just some outward shell, you know, just like I'm, Uh, I'm moving on. It's more of a like seeing these obstacles that have been in my life as a gift uh, that may sound really tricky to someone who's in a deep, dark moment, but it is so much the truth. Each obstacle just pointed the way to where 
my life was meant to go. It just led me to the next thing. And I have to say that's miles better than where I was before this happened. So my diagnosis ultimately are a gift. That deep darkness was a gift. They showed me the next place. Uh, they showed me my true work. They showed me how I should show up in the world. And for that, I'm grateful. And that is where the positivity comes from. It's that gratitude um, of the real depth of those obstacles and what they've given me. And you said that you hope this is not an, you know, an outer shell just showing that really mm -hmm. you are. And the only true way you're going to know that is to be honest with yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. you can fool, what's it, uh, fool all the people some of the time or whatever it is, but <laughs> yeah. however it goes, however it goes, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but you can't fool yourself. So as yeah. long as you know you're open and honest and being with yourself, being positive, it's going to come out to everybody else. And talking about you know, your, your obstacles as a gift and everything. There was a book and I can't remember the exact title, but it was something like the gift of adversities. And so, oh. yeah, there's a, it's a, and I, I don't know if that's the exact title, but it's mm -hmm. similar to that. The gift of adversities or adversity as a gift, something like that. So uh, people, you know, someone talked about, you know, using yeah. and I, I, again, I, I believe, I believe one reason we struggle is not to try to damage us, but it's to help build us up, mm -hmm. build our self-confidence, build our self-esteem, and to show how strong we really are. And then you're going to demonstrate that example to someone that's watching you, and they're going to learn from you, and they're going to get through a hard time because they learned it from you. So I believe that. That's Yeah, that's the ultimate hope, right? I mean, I do hope that. I, I'm grateful that you know, I was able to come through it for sure. I haven't read that book, but I have read The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which goes back to Stoic philosophy. Um, but essentially the obstacle in the path becomes the path. So a resilient way of looking at obstacles and getting through them. And it's not a platitude when I say these were gifts in my life and they've helped me show up in a completely different way. Uh, than I, than I ever have. And yeah, the hope is that it could in some way, tiny or big, be an inspiration to someone else to do the same. Yeah. And, and with obstacles, challenges, adversities, however you put it, uh, we don't have to love what's going on, but mm. we, we need to accept it, learn from it and say as positive and powerful as positive as much as possible. So we can move forward. And again, we have, Debbie Emick, on the other side of Perfect, her book. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a question here. How long did it take you to write your book? Uh, well, that <clears throat> the actual physical writing part of it was a matter of a summer, some months. So um, because you wrote a book and like the nuts and bolts of it are, I knew how many words I needed to get to. I divided that up and I just, it was like I put, my butt in the chair in front of a computer and I wrote for two hours or 2000 words, whatever I got to first and, um, and stopped. And so that was a few months maybe. And then the editing took a very long time. That was, um, you know, going back and editing once editing maybe like four times, um, when all was said and done or more. So, um, but the, just spewing out the words was just a matter of a few months probably. How about you? My first book took me 12 years. Oh, really? I'd, I'd write 
three pages, then I wouldn't touch it for six months. And then okay. I'd write a page and a half and then come back in a month and a half, you know. And I tell people it's just a miracle. You know how we update our computers? And I yeah. said, it's a miracle that that manuscript didn't get lost in the mm. time I changed. Because uh, I know if I'd have lost it, I would have never started over. So it, it was a miracle in itself for that. <laughs> so. Yeah, no kidding. And that you finished it after, you know, most people would say, oh, it's been 12 years. So good for well, you. That's well, amazing. what had happened, again, after my suicide attempt and meeting with a psychologist, he said, you need to write a book, you know, you're to help other people. And then I was going, well, I started this one book. And then I started going, well, if you're going to finish it, now's the time to finish it. And, right. And so, yeah, so I hopped on in. Once I got strong with finishing, I think, uh, and with the editing, like you said, we from that process, finishing writing, editing, maybe a year to, mm. to finish it up then with the editing and everything. So okay. I, would I would encourage everybody to write a book. If nothing else, it's to pass on to somebody that's, they're going through something. Somebody's going through mm -hmm. the same thing you've been through. If you think you're the first one that's going through something, you're mistaken. So, right. and so yeah, I, I think people, everybody ought to write a book. And again, it's something that's going to be held on for a hundred years from now. And somebody's going to find it and go, wow. And, and from yeah. there. So then plus, uh, I, I wish the technology was this easier on doing books 40 years ago and would have loved 30 years ago, 20 years ago to get stories from my grandparents on how right. they were, you know, they didn't have all this technology. And then mm -hmm. to get their stories, what it would have been also, I, we don't have them now because they passed away. So yeah. they're all all gone. So, all right, yeah. Deb, appreciate you being here. Yeah, and you're just a strong woman for everything you've been through, <laughs> an incredible woman. You know, we Again, we're all going through something. But, uh, again, it's easy to give up. Um, someone told me one time, says, I don't think I could do what you're doing, you know, me, my wheelchair. I said, well, you know, I figured I had two options. One. I can not do anything and lay in bed and let someone feed me, water me like mm -hmm. a plant and watch the TV channels that they're watching because they're controlling the remote or I could do it the hard <laughs> or I can do it the hard way and do the best I can in life. So I'm yeah. I'm glad that you decided to do it the hard way and best you can in life. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I don't always feel all of those things I hear you say, but I really appreciate that. And, you know, ultimately they're both hard, right? It's, it is what it is. You either go through it or you are stuck in, in the hard. So I think they're both difficult. So we just have to choose if we want out of it or not. Yeah, that's right. So, Hey, uh, tell us uh, how people can find you in case somebody wants to ask you a question or I don't know if you got speaking or not. Uh, uh, so if someone to get you on another podcast, uh, how they can find you. Sure. Um, so you can find the book, uh, the other side of perfect discovering the mind body connection to healing chronic illness, anywhere books are sold online, or you can go to go bucket yourself.com forward slash books. And we'll help you there. You can figure out what, what all we're up to at go 
buggyyourself.com. You can um, listen to a podcast that my husband and I have called One Life Live It. Everything we do at Go Bucket Yourself, One Life Live It is to empower people to begin living the life they want to live today instead of waiting for someday. Um, and I love to hear from anyone that has any questions or wants to reach out. I'm on Instagram under imperfectprogress.me. So that's the letter I, the letter M, perfectprogress.me. If you send me a message, I will definitely respond. So reach out. I'd love to hear from anyone. And I'll uh, link this stuff in the description and show notes here as well to make it easier on everybody to find. So well, we appreciate you being here. And uh, again, I tell people if nothing else, I'm getting fired up from all of this. So, uh-huh. you know, they say with the other thing, if I can help one person, well, you've helped me, Debbie. So you get oh. me all fired up. So you got well, your one person. Now we just build on it and we get multiple people. So well, thank you, can, you right back at you. Well, thank you. Sorry. Thank you. If you can, mm-hmm. no, it's okay. If you can leave us with a big, powerful message, you know, there's mm-hmm. people struggling out there today. And so if you can help that one person that, uh, help them get through whatever and give them just some positive, positive message to go from here. Yeah, I'll actually try to be brief on this one. Uh, I would say, (laughs) I would say you don't need to know all the steps. You just need to know the next step. So, um, if you're struggling in any way and you don't want to stay stuck there, just the tiniest next step, and maybe it's not the right step and it helps you recalibrate and find the right step. And that's okay too. Um, you don't need to know all the, all the steps, just the very next step. All right. Thank you. And just think of it as a uh, steps going up steps. You know, you Mm -hmm. just need to get to the next step to get up higher to get where you're going. So like you said, Mm -hmm. just know the next, find the next step that's going to help you, whatever you're going through. So that's mm-hmm. an awesome way to look at it. Thank you, Debbie. And so our guest today was Debbie Emick and the uh, book on the other side of perfect. Again, I'll link her information down below for you to find her. Everyone else. Thank you for coming in for the people in the replay. Thank you for showing up. Be sure to uh, share this out to someone. Again, you don't have to be going through an autoimmune deficiency um, like, like uh, Debbie, or you don't have to be a spinal cord injury. The positive message is going to help people in whatever their situation. So everyone, thank you for coming in. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.